Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio with me, Joe Moffat. And um, for those who are new to Engage for Success, a little bit about us. We are a not-for-profit movement and we are the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice. Uh, Do visit us at engageforsuccess.org where you can learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter. And as with all of us who are involved with Engage for Success, we are all volunteers um, and we all have day jobs. And I'm Jo Moffat. I'm one of the regular hosts. And my day job is managing director and founder of Woodread. Uh, Woodread is a specialist creative agency where we use the tools, the techniques and the insight led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work high-performing cultures of engaged employees. Uh, So welcome today to today's show, radio show number 489. Uh, And today we're going to be talking about the importance of authentic storytelling. And my guest today, who I'm very pleased to welcome, is Sam Blizzard. Sam is a communications leader and podcaster who I first met um, about a year ago now when he was speaking at one of the engaged business media um, events. I think it was the Internal Communications Summit at the the back end of last summer. Um, Sam's had a a 25-year-long career in communications. We'll hear a little bit more about that in a moment uh, across um, a range of organisations, including John Lewis um, uh, and also um, construction and engineering giant Langer Rourke. Um, And when I first met Sam, um, he was working with Fortnum and Mason. um, And I'm sure in a moment he'll uh, he'll tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, But I know Sam is very passionate about the importance of storytelling and the importance of that storytelling being authentic and how that can really can contribute to um, understanding and audience engagement and employee experience. So so welcome to Engage for Success Radio, Sam. Good to have you with us. Thanks um, for having me, Joe. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, so I wonder whether we can start by, you know, in the, in the spirit of the theme, um, tell us your story. Uh, what you know? What's brought you to to the role you currently do, and uh, and and why these why storytelling is so important to you? That's a very dangerous question to ask a communications person, Joe. I could fill half an hour with that if uh, you don't. You <laughs> well, that's don't keep exactly the... what we've got. So you know, <laughs> if, you do, if you don't keep the discipline of the interview, I'll, I'll try and self edit myself as I I go along. Well, what's my story? I mean, I suppose at, at a high level, I'm extremely passionate about communications. I mean, I. I do sort of believe that I'm in the the job that I was meant to do um, on my best days and, and and most days actually I feel extremely positive and I love doing what I do. Um, I started out life really as somebody with a love of uh, English and the English language and writing and uh, expressing myself in in various forms. Mm-hmm. And at the end of my education and degree, I, I did a vocational course as a journalist in Napier University in Edinburgh. Um, I I was on 
early on, I was on a couple of placements on one tabloid newspaper and one uh, newspaper that was the equivalent of the Evening Standard, I suppose, in the city of Edinburgh. And I kind of, I suppose I didn't really like what I saw, um, you know, behind the scenes in terms of the way journalism worked. It was it was very, very, very cold and transactional. It was often um, people's stories could take many forms, but it, 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 I, I kind of, I suppose, where I've got to now in my career is I, I almost sort of try to sort of be a person that has a journalistic impulse, but it's more kind of compassionate journalism, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get a lot of actually really nice communication from people privately um, that read a lot of the things that I share on LinkedIn, for example, um, just saying that they enjoy what I write. But if I was to sum it up, it's it's about a more yeah compassionate journalistic impulse. But I actually, I started out in life off the back of my journalism training. Uh, just I, I was working a summer job for Royal Mail, uh, part of the business that was called the British Philatelic Bureau, I think, in Edinburgh. Um, and there was a chap there called Bill Forrest. He'd just started a new role as the communications manager. Now, most people in Royal Mail at the time, over 20 years ago, were bemused. What is this communications manager? You know, what does that job do? What's his role? Um, that he was quite a forward-thinking chap for his time. And he he kind of had heard that I joined and he was sort of interested in all the kind of goings on from a people point of view. Mm. And he, he knew that I'd just done this journalism course. And he asked me if I would be prepared to do extracurricular things for free. And I ended up working on what became communications to effectively bring two cultures closer together, a management culture in London near Old Street and a kind of operational culture that was in Edinburgh. Um, And to cut a very long story short, I ended up doing a six-month placement in London. And I'd spent six to seven years at Royal Mail uh, doing all kinds of brilliant communications jobs, including um, major events, working with people like Alan Layton, who was the chairman who joined from Asda Walmart, and Adam Crozier, who was chair of the Football Association, who joined Royal Mail for a time, as many people will know. Mm. Um, And then I've had a long and varied career, as you said, in retail for John Lewis. I've worked fast-moving consumer goods for Unilever, where I got kind of experience of a global organisation. Um, yeah, and more recently, some fantastic uh, experience in global construction and engineering with Lang Ruark. And as you also mentioned, two spells in retail with uh, John Lewis and Fortnum Mason. I'm also very lucky in that at one point in time, I was doing things for kind of trade associations um, and non-profit organizations, about like yourself, um, mm-hmm. for the Marketing Society and the IVCA. But I kind of felt I was drifting a little bit from my kind of core discipline and skill. And I deliberately targeted a period in central government uh, where I went to work for the cabinet office, um, which was really, really God, fascinating. That period. must have been, yeah, that must have been really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah fascinating. I, I love that time. I look, mm. look back very fondly on that period. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So a real, a real mix then. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I'm very lucky. I'm very yeah. fortunate to have been yeah. in the places I've been in. Yeah. It's, you you do find yourself though i think as a communicator sometimes being a very privileged sports and spaces um and i've i've never taken that for granted you know i don't i don't kind of saunter into places think i have a divine right to 
be talking to leaders or chairman or CEOs or management teams. I'm always very, you know, I keep myself right in that regard, you know, like I kind of remember who I am and kind of where I came from, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I do know what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. Keep keep it real, which mm. kind of brings us back to the theme of today, really, which is the importance of authentic storytelling and, um, you know, separating both those things, you know, the importance of storytelling, the importance of authentic storytelling in an age of continual distraction. You know, that's our that's our topic. So let's sure. de- deconstruct that a little bit, if we if we may, um, and begin with what do we what do we mean by storytelling? Because it's a term we see banded around a lot and have done for quite a, quite a few years, and a lot of people talk about it. Um, we talk about the narrative culture of humanity, and you know, go back to caves and firesides and all, all of that but what, what do you mean how would you de- define it when you, if you were to come into a new role and you're trying to sort of say to an organization that we need we need to embrace storytelling more uh, what what do you mean by it well organizations sort of define themselves by the stories they tell i mean the the company strategy is a is a story in a sense so i i, I was very lucky again because i spent many years working on things, you know, like the strategic narratives of organizations uh, with John Lewis and Lang O'Rourke and others. So, you know, but you wouldn't necessarily describe that as storytelling or or some people wouldn't, but I would. So I don't don't actually differentiate between, you know, telling individual people's stories versus telling a company narrative, you know, a Mm five-year strategy, a financial plan, you know, the organization's top five priorities, uh, you know, the big themes currently around things like diversity and inclusion, sustainability, well-being, you know, they tell stories around all of these themes. Um, storytelling to me, I mean, I have spoken about this um, publicly quite a few times recently, but fundamentally, we all have a need uh, from the time that we are born, you know, when we're infants and we're children, there's a fundamental need to understand the world through stories. And of course, the best stories uh, fundamentally don't have to be explained mm. to children. They they understand and they're memorable, you know. And I think the process of us moving into the adult world or the working world or the corporate world is, of course, we deprogram a lot of this kind of sense, this instinct, uh, you know, these natural impulses are kind of driven out of us in a way. And I mean, I, so I, it's interesting. I, I had a conversation recently with uh, someone who I consider my main mentor in communications. I mean, when I worked at the cabinet office, I, I had a great time uh, working with Sarah Lazenby, who um, was my kind of uh, line manager boss at the time and someone who I share a lot of basic ah, I uh, values I think I know. With. I think I know Sarah. She used to work for AXA PPP Healthcare. Yes, that's Didn't right. She? Yeah. yeah, yeah. She now works. She now works for Roche Healthcare. Oh. Um, and again, is is a, a fantastic storyteller herself. The reason I mentioned Sarah is we had a conversation recently, and she used the expression "story sharing." And I thought, yeah, no, that's 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 fair. But obviously, the the expression that we've used for generations is storytelling. But in the the corporate world, it is about sharing. You know. And it's about getting your story out there. But fundamentally, I, I just I think that storytelling 
um, when it's done in a very authentic way, is the most effective people, not only to not effective way, not only to reach people, but to take them with you. Um, because it's about it, it's really fundamentally about hearts and minds. I kind of I noticed, you know, from a, as long uh, if I kind of go back even sort of ten years, I started to sort of understand midway through my career that organizations were spending an incredible amount of time, uh, resource and energy, you know, often with external agencies or uh, sort of existential sort of meetings and workshops about how are we going to get our kind of strategy story out? How are we going to get, you know, our, you know, strategic objectives sort of understood by employees? But of course, the the danger or the the trend I kind of observed, and this is obviously a long time pre- before COVID, is that people were targeting logic. You know, they were targeting the logical parts of people's um, brain and psyche, and then they they were kind of wondering why you know mass numbers of employees weren't engaged and giving them that true engagement. You know, that that, that extra that extra 10-15%. Um, and of course, what you need to do, I think people are much more open to this and it, it's becoming more and more this way as time passes that we're getting much more comfortable even in the corporate sphere about targeting kind of people's hearts with very sort of emotional, authentic stories. And then, you know, once you you have people's attention and engagement, it's much easier to talk about the grander plan that a company has so I'm not kind of some I I don't really I don't really think it's possible from a storytelling point of view to dumb anything down from a company point of view. That was often the argument that was made years ago as well, you know, you you have to get the strategic narrative out there. No one's gonna understand what we're all about and what we're going after. And I just simply don't think that's the case. And I think we we maybe wasted many, many years, you know, lots of organizations in the UK and abroad wasted an inordinate amounts of time with that kind of company strategy storytelling you know and a lot of a lot of good work was done but equally i think what covid did was it certainly sharpened my own sense and understanding of what my own purpose was what my kind of core talent and skill was um you know i've had all that kind of experience but actually you know, where I felt I could cut through most was in the kind of narrative around people, you know, what makes people so incredibly special and extraordinary, what makes them want to give that extra discretionary effort. And, you know, what what is it, you know, what is it that your people have that gives your organization a massive X factor um, and that will ultimately in the long term attract more talent, greater talent, and retain the fantastic people that you already have. You know, that that's really what the pandemic period kind of taught me. I think I just really honed in on that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, what you're talking about chimes very much from a Engage for Success perspective, because at Engage for Success, um, as, as many of our listeners will know, we have we have, um, as identified in the original David McLeod and Nita Clark report, the four enablers of engagement. So what do organisations, what traits, common traits do they share? And number one is um, uh, visible senior leaders who can share 
a good strategic narrative about the organization, where it's come from, where it's going, who could tell that story. Um, which is all around purpose, isn't it? So I'm I'm you know that clearly chimes, but I'm I'm interested when you talk about um five-year plans, organizational strategies, you know, they they sort of it's all it does occupy the same space. And yes, you know, they are they are stories, but do you think they they do you think organizations miss a trick when they present those then as sort of dusty, dry, strategic tomes um, rather than bringing in the people bit, the the, the sort of humanity, mm. the human stories? It's it's very interesting actually because um, in the last few months I worked at John Lewis, their hundred and fiftieth anniversary. I hope I've got that right. I think it was the hundred and fiftieth. That anniversary was coming up, mm. and they used the heritage story to great effect. It was extremely colourful, um, and it was everything from this amazing kind of archive footage of John Speed and Lewis, you know, talking about the purpose of the organisation. You know, which is almost like gold dust. It was, it was, it was almost the the holy grail. That footage it was shown a lot at the time. Mm. But then they they had you know a major event in a big conference and exhibition center, and they they gathered everyone. You know, they created books around all the original sort of Oxford Street invoices and original fabrics, and uh, you know all these all these kind of things. You know, wonderful touch points. And so I think heritage is a is a very rich uh, source of storytelling. I mean, you know, I'm very lucky to work at Fortnum and Mason. We have a full-time archivist who is the ultimate storyteller, Dr. <laughs> wow. Andrea Tanner. I worship yeah. at her, her feet and, 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 and learn a lot from her. But of course, you know, the story itself is the platform. You know, when you have 300 years plus of stories that actually chronicle the the history of central London and Piccadilly itself, you know, you can imagine how sort of rich that is. That's fabulous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, did organizations miss a trick? I, I think yes, possibly, but I, that, I think it's because it's like I sort of mentioned before, I think that I think that the space that communicators occupied for a long time was just almost not quite having a seat at the table, just kind of on the fringes in terms of influence and I think COVID finally was the point at which that changed forever. You know, we were in the vanguard and we did have a seat at the table. And so the the you know, the, the communicators worth their salt really had the ear of leaders because it was an unprecedented situation. And as a result, leaders actually became a lot more authentic. I mean, I saw mm-hmm. firsthand when we were just on the hoof trying to come up with very bespoke technology solutions before all this settled down and, you know, Zoom and Teams was was almost like fitted as standard, you know, we were sort of, we for the first time in years, you know, we had license and authority to say, no PowerPoint, you know, just, just literally <laughs> go on a call unscripted with, you know, hundreds or however many thousand people and just say, you care, you're listening, you're there, you're happy to take questions. Um, and that kind of thing was incredibly powerful. Um, but from a from a storytelling piece, I think that I think most people can sort of understand and see that the the trend is only increasing around authenticity. You know, I mean, once upon a time, I can remember a, a period where going into office environments five days a week and feeling very self conscious even about 
like having a kind of picture of my wife or a picture of my kids in a frame on the desk. Remember when people used to do that? They used to mm. proudly display. Mm. And I used to think, wow, that's that's a that's a lot, you know, that's a that's a very personal thing to do. That's, you know, I was very reticent to ironically to share sort of information. And yet now it's kind of it can be a badge of honor in a way to to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a, a sign of strength increasingly, certainly, especially for leaders. Mm. Um, and you know, it's no it's no great surprise, I'm sure, to anyone listening that those uh, CEOs and uh, executive teams that can open themselves up and and show that they they really have an understanding of what their people are going through, whether that's been during COVID or a cost of living crisis, or that they just understand the well being. Uh, landscape or the passion people have around things like sustainability it's it's enormous currency and those leaders are flourishing um you know significantly more than mm. than those that that don't understand mm. this you know mm. this this trend of you know authenticity is really about openness and strength through weakness and just uh, you know just an understanding now that more than ever we're all in this together you know um so so that a couple of couple of thoughts that, that that prompts a couple of directions to explore a little bit um is this is this something then that is you you're talking about leaders and leaders authenticity and we've all seen that as you rightly say um certainly since the pandemic is is storytelling then just something for senior leaders to use as a technique is it you know to get that that five-year plan understood and embedded and to tell the strategy story and engage people with it or has it got greater potential than that no i i I think i think um storytelling only really works if it's you know bottom up top down and has a very engaged middle you know yeah you know ask ask for the world you know Uh, you know, go, go big or go home, sort of thing. But what what I'm finding is that, um, it, you know, you obviously you can have a fantastic leadership team, uh, which we have at Fortnum's. We're, we're very lucky. Um, it, they're very engaged and and very accessible and and very keen to listen and understand what's going on at the different levels of the organisation. But if you don't have a, a very rich seam of communication. Uh, with teams on the front line and if you don't have you know it's, it, these these themes are universal the, these these have been things that we've we've all wrestled with for years but if you don't have great line management capability and real enthusiasm you know for regular communication for team briefing for listening you know that that's that bottleneck will still exist it will always exist and you know some of the greatest storytellers are those team leaders, those regional managers, um, you know, those people who are engaged, at, you know, in, in Fortnum's case, on the shop floor or back of house and restaurants or with warehouse and distribution teams. And, you know, I mean, in my personal role, it's just incumbent, uh, it's important for me to be out in the field as much as 
you know, as, as humanly possible, as physically possible, uh, because if leaders don't always have the time to do it, then you are, to some extent, a satellite mm. um, for them as well, and a listening ear and a collector of stories. I mean, I, mm. I, have, I have more stories. I always say this to people, you know, several times a week. I have more stories than I can actually share, you know. I just kind of hoover these things yeah, things up, and it's it's a nice problem to have. But the, equally, those stories have to fit with, I think uh, this is maybe the, the, yeah. an answer to your ultimate question, those stories kind of have to fit with where your organization believes it's going, you know, what its ultimate purpose mm. or mm. priorities are. So, mm. um, and, you know, if they naturally fit, that's great. You know, you don't you don't have to sort of worry yeah. too much, but I think that's a big part of it as well. So, so to that prompts the question it's 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 all very well for you Sam because of your position where you can hoover up those stories you are at a senior enough level where you you have all that insight to the direct the strategy and the direction and all the rest of it but then on the other hand we want the line managers the shift supervisors the warehouse supervisors whatever to be able to articulate some of the stories themselves or to put their own personal spin on the story to make it authentic and relevant for their people their team their story so the risk of that is that the story then can get diluted diverted distorted Chinese whispers comes into play so how do you and you know we've got we've got five minutes left and and this could probably be a topic for an entire another show but how do you make sure that you at the same time give the opportunity for people to apply their personal authenticity to the story and the stories to engage people whilst at the same time ensuring that it's still, to quote the sort of new labour tech approach to life, on message? Yeah, I, I used to worry about this this kind of thing a lot. And I think people around me and a lot of the uh, communications teams I've worked with and leaders I've worked with were significantly more jumpy and nervous about this than I've been. But again, for more than 10 years, that's a conversation that's come up. I remember working in the construction sector and um, one of the th- one of the things that kind of became a personal objective of mine was to develop a sort of internal social media presence and conversation. Now, this was long before anything like covid Mm-hmm. We found this incredibly engaged and enthusiastic and sunny and bright and positive population of people in Australia. They'd get up, the sun was shining, they would share pictures of, you know, tower cranes going up or rail lines being built or, you know, sports stadia rising at the ground. Tremendous pride, mm-hmm. you know, really, really enthusiastic. Lots lots of likes, lots of comments, lots of replies. You know, just a wonderful, perfect storm of engagement. And in the European UK end, it's a lot more kind of uptight and, you know, um, I don't know, just kind of worrying about what senior leaders and management would say. Or mm. if you have posted, I got permission to do this? Have I got and, permission? And actually, yeah. you know, if I post something about this amazing project and then that project's late or it's over budget, is this going to come back to haunt me? Is this an audit trail? Yeah. <laughs> you know, of course, it's not, which it wasn't at all. Um, but I'd kind of share that as the kind of kickoff to the answer because trust is paramount. You know, I every situation I've ever been in or we're in this regard, if you trust people, 
they 99.9% of the time they don't let you down. You know, it's very rare. Um, if you're encouraging advocacy and a sort of ambassadors in that sort of middle tier of the organization, you have to give people the opportunity to express themselves. And actually, that's your role as a communicator. You have to set the the guide rails and make it again, make yourself available to to give them guidance, you know, to give them you know, social media 101 or, you know, uh, discussion forum 2.0 advice, you know, and, and mm. tips and, and tools and all that kind of thing. But whenever I've, you know, given people license and trusted them, you know, you, you, you're paid back kind of 10 times over. But I think the worst thing you can do is, is have a really sort of uptight and nervy sort of approach to it because everyone just get, gets really spooked and they don't. Mm anything at all and to be honest with you you know the, the big thing around this you you made the point there that i'm in this sort of slightly privileged position which again i am i have i do have sort of self-awareness around that i i, I do understand that but equally you know we've often said as communicators whether it's you know internal external d- depending on what you do you, you almost success would mean programming yourself out you don't have to do it anymore you don't have to tell you know 10 20 stories a month because actually there's a groundswell of people there they start doing the job start for you and doing you, that for you yeah you discover all these wonderful people and really interesting jobs that start telling it in a much more authentic way on the ground than you can mm. um so actually that's always the ambition is actually mm. to be doing less and less incrementally over time as is true with so much, actually, when it comes to the people space, you know, we know research tells us over and over again that if you give people autonomy, they are more engaged in what they do. But it's providing that kind of bounded autonomy that's you, you yeah. talk about setting the guide rules, setting the guide guide rails and and then people repay you with that um and it's it's about it's about letting go and having that trust isn't it so if there yeah, was, if there was one we've, we've only got we've only very nearly at the end of the show so if there was one thing that, that we wanted people to take away would it would it be that just you know trust your people i think yes i think trust your people but i think the probably the the key the key point i always um Put across to individuals, um, you know, when I'm in one-to-one conversations, no matter what level of the organisation they're at, I, I would say the same thing to CEOs as I would say to like anybody, which is, don't never ever underestimate the human interest and the value in your personal story. The amount of people, no matter what their level of seniority. They look at me in the eyes. We, you know, we've just been having a bit of conversation about their career history or their personal story, and say, "People aren't going to be interested in that, are they?" And I say, "Oh my God, you've no idea how fascinated people will be by that." Um, it's interesting. I'm working on a story at the moment uh, with a member of the executive um, committee at Fortnum and Mason, and it's a career retrospective and. You know, it, it's it's about how a career effectively was formed and shaped in childhood, mm-hmm. and I'm on a kind of a bit of a journey. I'm I'm hoping to play my part and helping to share that. And you know, equally as well, I I just reflecting on a fascinating conversation I had with somebody who works in our 
warehouse team uh, and works in stock operations. And again, it's a similar thing. You know, personal experiences have really shaped the enormous value this individual brings to the organization. And it's about their compassion, you know, and their love of people, hmm. which then kind of translates into, you know, brilliant relationships, which then translates into a very slick and efficient, you know, retail operation. But that wouldn't happen if the person wasn't deeply connected to people, even though a lot of that sort of stuff is very operational and transactional. So, yeah, I think it's it's one, it's about giving trust, but two, it's about persuading people that in this day and age, their story is just as valid and interesting as anyone's story in social media. In fact, it may be more so than a lot of the stuff that is being shared by others. Lovely way to round things off. Uh, we've run completely out of time. So Sam, Sam Blizzard, uh, thank you very much for joining us at Engage for Success Radio today. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Thanks, Jill. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.